Hey, Renee. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> How goes it? It goes good. <laughs> <laughs> How goes it? Is that even proper English? I don't know. No, and it goes good is not proper either, but that's okay because we don't have to always be prim and proper. Right. Right. No, we do not. And that is a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes Absolutely. you just gotta. You just gotta let loose sometimes. So, <laughs> y'all probably hear us use a lot of improper English because it's just having a good time with your girlfriend talking, and you know, you speak freely when you ain't got to put on for nobody. So, right, exactly. That's <laughs> so, like that. I think it's a movie or something coming out like that where the girl, or no, it was a. There's something going around on social media where this girl she talks different to different people mm. and basically she's speaking spanish to one person when she sees her latino uh or latina friends and she's like whatever they say and then like she goes like to the next person and is somebody's like she's like what's up homie how you doing and then she sees somebody that's white and she's like hi how are you today right. oh weekend was great <laughs> sending that representative you gotta have your representative um so anyway what's giving you life this week what's giving me life this week is that i will be moving soon i'm staying in chicago though i about to say don't go don't be um dropping no bombs on me live (laughs) (laughs) right yay new apartment Oh my God, I'm getting out of this box that I'm in. Thank God for my box though, because I'm not trying to be ungrateful or anything. (laughs) However, I was going through some transitions in my life and I needed to downsize and my furniture is too big for this downsize that I took on. Right. It's been a little cramped and crowded and I've been going crazy in this spot and I've been, you know, when you're cluttered in your space, in your home, your mind is cluttered. Absolutely. And so my mind has been cluttered for the past two years. I haven't really been able to use my creative juices like I want to. Mm-hmm. And that's been the hardest thing for me because I'm such a creative person. And I've sat still on so many things and not moved forward on them because I just don't have the energy to do it. Because I'm just like looking at this space like, oh, I guess I'll just lay here on the couch and watch Netflix and chill. So now I could probably do a cartwheel or two in the house. Yes. I got a second bedroom. Hey. And I got a back porch. Woo. I'm doing a running man, y'all. Y'all can't see it, but I'm doing a running man. I know where I'm staying when I come to Chicago. I got my own bedroom at Renee's house, y'all. Come through. (laughs) So what's giving you life, girl? You know what is giving me life is finally feeling settled and exploring Dallas. Um, This week, I went to a really fun dance class. Y'all know I had to, like, been on my mission to find another hip-hop dance class, and I found a really cool one, and I went to this class called Cardi B Cardio. Oh, hey, okay. (laughs) I knew you would like that. (laughs) I knew you would like that. It was so fun, and the instructor was really cool. Not far from my house. And then um, I went to this other class. This is my second time going, and I know I'm going to love it. I'm going to be a regular 
Um, I was talking about this on Facebook, but I was like, I love it. It's actually a mother and daughter team. So it's like the mother and the daughter. And I mean, you can tell this woman is probably every bit of like late 50s, 60s, but she is like rocking it. Um, And they kind of tag team, do the class together and they play like hip hop music. And um, it's a combination of like bar, strength training, dance, like it's a full workout. And it's so funny because the mama be crunk. Like, <laughs> this is one song called, um, it's like a bunch of stuff that I didn't play on the radio, but I recognize it because y'all know I love trap music or that one. So the mom would be like, yeah, is you ready? Yeah, are y'all ready? <laughs> Where the daughter is the more just like, okay, squat, you know, like, she's very, like, kind of even tone. That mama, she have her towel, she be waving it in the air. And um, it's really dope. They also, like, make shea butter and scrubs and sell it. So I I love it because it's like you can tell it's like these, like, sister girls doing their thing. And I love that it's a mother-daughter and it's a good workout. Like, this morning I was sitting here like, why am I back hurting? And I was like, oh, Lord, I forgot I went to that class. That's why. That's the Cardi B cardio? No. This is called Zumba Rocks, but it's not even Zumba. And, like, they say that as a disclaimer. Like, once you get in the class, like, they were like, we know the gym causes Zumba, but it's basically, like, high-intensity training, like, combination. Um, and it's right. I don't know why they just don't change the name. Because, literally, we only do, like, five minutes of, like, a true, like, kind of dance routine. Everything else is, like... You got your weights out. You're doing like planks. You're doing um, oh wow ab work. It's like a, a boot camp. It's, mm. That's exactly what it is. They should change the name to boot camp. Um, so I'm doing that. And this weekend, I'm going to a festival. There's a taco festival. Um, Ugh, I want to go. Oh yes, it's uh, National Taco Day. I guess it was like sometime last week. But this festival is called Taco Landia. And it's going to be in the Dallas Farmer's Market. So, you know, I'm getting to, like, explore Dallas. I'm missing, like, my Chicago festivals and all that and my fun workout classes. So, it's, like, feels good to start trying to, like, find those same things here. So I'm jealous that you get an extended festival season, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because the weather is still good. But that's why I was telling y'all, like... Stuff pops off in the fall in Texas because it's so much extreme heat in the summer that no one really wants to be outside. So they do more stuff in the fall here. Mm-hmm. So I do get an extended summer. Don't be hating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking hating. All right. Well, we want to get into today's episode um, to bring it down to a more serious tone. We will be talking about an issue that affects women on our episode today. Um, And we are going to be talking about domestic violence and breast cancer because it is the month of October, which this is the month where we bring awareness to these topics. Right, Renee? Absolutely. It's all about self-awareness month with domestic violence and breast cancer and making sure that we know what the cause of some of these things are, what the statistics are, and how can we as women protect ourselves and um, save ourselves from it and become survivors in the sense of being free from all of these things, free from uh, the abuse 
and free from the disease of, of um, breast cancer. So we're going to talk about this today because it's something that we tend to sweep under the rug a lot of times and not only talk about until the month of October when it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month or when it is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we want to be sure to shine a light on both of these subjects at all times. Absolutely. So um, I think it would be good if we start with some statistics and facts about um, domestic violence in the first part of this conversation. Absolutely. And I, I think that that's a good way to start off, too, is um, I. Both of these subjects are near and dear to me, so I just want to start there. But starting mm-hmm. with statistics is definitely the best way to go. I looked on the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence website, which is also called NCADV.org. And some of the statistics are very surprising. Um, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. And you would think that that's not always included, man, but they are included in this study. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Men are abused as well. And I think that's one thing that is glossed over um, and that isn't taken serious either. Um, So you talked about women and men just to dig deeper, just because we know that the majority of our listeners are women of color. Um, So when you think about black women, it's actually even more of a bigger problem within our community. Black women are three times as likely to experience death as a result of domestic violence than white women. And while black women only make up 8% of the population, 22% of homicides that result from domestic violence happen to black women. So, yeah, I mean, so this is a very serious issue because obviously some domestic violence um, situations end in death. So you get to see the impact that this has on the black community and why it's serious to bring awareness to it and also why we felt it was important to address it on our podcast. And Renee, you shared that you have a personal attachment to both of these. So I want to allow you the opportunity to actually start the conversation. Absolutely. So um, as a kid, I was a witness to domestic violence. And as a teenager, I was a victim to domestic violence. And also as a young adult, uh, I was also a victim of domestic violence. And as an adult now, I am a survivor. And I'm proud to say that I am a survivor of domestic violence because with domestic violence, in my opinion, is something that is similar to a disease. Um, Because as a child, when I saw that happening to my mother, I thought that that was normal that a way that a man so uh for a little girl her father is supposed to be her first love Mm -hmm. and if she sees that her father is abusing her mother then that's what she sees as love and that's not normal um and if you don't get counseling and you don't seek help and you don't know to seek help and you think that that's normal it's going to continue so when you get older you're going to think that it's okay so 
going to when I was in high school, my boyfriend at the time, he saw his father abuse his mother. And he thought that that was normal. Mm -hmm. So he abused me. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I didn't say anything. You were saying that, you know, sometimes people don't say anything. Um, I didn't say anything. I didn't think I could say anything. I didn't think that I should say anything because I thought it was normal. So we both were in that cycle and that mentality of not understanding that this was wrong, that this was not what love was about. And as I got older, I mean, I, I eventually I saw because that was physical abuse. I saw that I needed to walk away from that. But then I didn't realize that there was other types of abuse as well, too. So in my older life, I was abused emotionally. And um, I didn't realize that that was a form of abuse until I went through it and kind of looked back on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about um, not knowing it was wrong, not really knowing to say anything. And you mentioned you seeing your mother abused and him seeing his father so, you know, I do, I'm a person, I do watch Eyal and Fix My Life. And she talks about, you know, patterns a lot. And so the term for that is a pathology. So a pathology is created to where this happened to your mother, you emulate that, or you somehow deem it as acceptable because you see it. And these things are passed down. And mm-hmm. so when you talk about the disease and it needing to be treated, that's what that's about, is that, you know, there needs to be a point to where someone within that lineage um, seeks help, um, you know, gets to the root of it um, and digs a little deeper. And um, speaking of Iyala, um, I was le- reading an article as we were studying up for this, um, and it was from 2014, but I found it interesting because the title was about why black women struggle more with domestic violence. And the article opens with um, the fact that, you know, domestic violence is typically a family secret in black communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we have a problem with talking about it. And so tying this back to Iyala, when she did her Fix My Life scenario on the Braxton Family Values episode, one of the things she was asking them is, what are y'all's family values? And so they talked about, oh, like, communication, honesty, and they were like, oh, we have this thing called the covered wagon, where what happens in this house stays in this house, and you don't share it. And so Iana responded, was like, oh, okay, so you all grew up being trained to keep secrets. So basically, if that's the case, they're contradicting themselves. I mean, if your family values are based on honesty, um, then you're not totally being honest. But I think that is something that is common in families and specifically, you know, black families that hold keep folks out of our business. We'll Mm -hmm. just deal with this on our own. But ultimately, that is what leads to things like not being able to speak up and say, hey, mom or dad or person, I'm being abused. Hey, this guy is hitting on me or he's speaking to me this way and it's not right, you know? Yeah. And I think one thing you talked about, too, you talked about emotionally abusive. And I think it's important to understand that, too, um, that intimidation, threats, belittling, all of those things are emotional abuse, you know? And sometimes we're in situations where you're like, well, he ain't punching me. 
he didn't push me down, you know, or he didn't slap me or throw something at me. But any type of mental manipulation, any type of intimidation, any type of threats of violence, that is abuse. And so sometimes we witness these things growing up or we're subject to these and we don't understand what's really happening to us and we've excused a lot of things. Um, and so it's just important to understand these warning signs of abuse and understand when you are in a situation and actually how to get out. And speaking of that, I do want to like pop in early on with like a resource. Um, so the National Domestic Violence Center, I know they have like on their website a list of questions, like a checklist of like how to know you're in an abusive situation. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason I found out that that existed was I was watching a couple of months back an interview on Sister Circle with R. Kelly's ex-wife, um, Drea Kelly. And she talks about how when she was in the midst of her tumultuous marriage with R. Kelly and long story short, just to catch everyone up, she is now coming out and speaking about violence that she was subject to during her marriage. And one of the things she said is that she went to that website and she positively answered 15 of the 16 questions. So that was the, when she really realized, wow, like I'm being abused because it wasn't the typical, like things that sometimes people say are domestic abuse and it can be dangerous because you can maybe not be so aware, but it could end up fatal um as you know these statistics show and i think that is the number one reason why we want to bring awareness to it and why it's so important that the conversation happens and that on a global scale that both women and men um have this information and have the resources that they need to stop the pathologies in our family and to start the healing process that comes from it. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, there are different types of uh, violence and abuse. And when I was saying, I didn't realize that emotional abuse was part of it. Like when you're with someone and you're in a relationship and you're married, you don't think that some of the things that they can say can emotionally abuse you or hurt you in such a way that you can't really function as a person and you lose who you are. Yeah. Um, there are things that happened that I just was like, I didn't realize that until after the fact. And part of the types of abuse that I also found um, on the same website, but this one's a, a different one. It's a American, I'm sorry, Arizona coalition um, to end sexual domestic violence. And this one is talking about the types of abuse is control, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, intimidation, as you said, mm -hmm. isolation, which, okay, isolation. Let's talk about that one. Yeah. When someone tries to keep you from your family and your friends, yes. they want to keep you all to themselves. Bingo. That type of um, an abuse. There's verbal abuse, coercion, threats. There's blame. Mm -hmm. um, were they blaming everything on you using male privilege, the me too movement, economic abuse. So financial abuse is another one, economic and financial. 
there are people who hold people hostage in their marriages or in their relationships because the other person can't financially walk away. They think, oh, if I walk away, I'm not going to be left with anything. I don't know how I'm going to survive. I'm going to have to be homeless. Yeah. Those things are scary to start over and be that person on your own. Um, So they stay in the relationship and they accept that abuse and that hold over their head because they don't know how to be who they are, that they can get help from a shelter mm-hmm. or friends and family. And I think the fact of, like you said, the, the abuse and the types of abuse are so broad. And I think that also is why it should be no surprise when we see that the type of victims of abuse are so varied, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter your economic status, your race, your position, anyone can be impacted by this. We've seen people at the highest of positions um, and then some of the most disadvantaged people that have been victims, you know, and it truly doesn't have a face or a gender. You know, any human being can be subject to um, abuse. And like you mentioned, the financial abuse is a big one, you know, because a, a woman can find herself in a situation where she's financially dependent on her partner, but also being abused. And that struggle of like, where do I go? Well, if I, you know, leave, how am I going to take care of myself? I won't have a roof over the, my head. And some of the abusers know that. They know that. They know that they have a hold on you. And um, the article that I was reading, it was a 2014 article because it was tying back to the Ray Rice incident. So just you can Google it to look into it. But NFL player Ray Rice was caught on a surveillance camera um, punching his now wife at the time. She actually was just his girlfriend. And um, so it became a big deal in the NFL. He was suspended, but he ultimately was let back in. And that's what I think really started this like conversation around violence, specifically when it came to athletes. And there was a lot of things that came out of that. But, you know, people were like, well, why did she stay or this, this, this? And, you know, people still, as much as she talked about forgiving him and everything, there are some people who feel still felt like she could still be trapped in that relationship. You don't know what kind of financial dependence she has on him. And some people, you know, flippantly are like, oh, yeah, because she's getting all the money. But you don't know that. Sometimes it's not as simple as bags and shoes and expensive homes. You don't Mm -hmm. know if he's financially supporting her family. She could have a financial obligation to family members and it's his money that's supporting it. And so, you know, it's very, very complicated. And that's why I think the part on domestic violence that is so important are the resources that are made available to women. And I still think there's more work to be done to make resources available to the men and women who are victims of this abuse. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, you can't say, well, why didn't you just walk away? It's not that easy Mm -hmm. to just walk away. Because you don't know the emotional state that that person is in as well, too, um, or the physical state or the mental state. 
you you have no idea and you will never know unless you're in that person's shoes. So you just really have to be understanding and be helpful to help that person to escape out of the situation because that's basically what they have to do because some of them fear their lives. Yeah. Um, to help them to escape and get away from that. Another form of stalking, which I mean, another form of, of abuse, I'm sorry, is stalking, which I didn't know. Um, and they go through some of the stalking and I was reading through this and I was like, oh my God. So like mailing cards or cryptic messages, breaking windows, breaking into or vandalizing partner's home, taking partner's mail, leaving mm. things such as flowers on the doorstep or at work, watching partner from a distance, hang up calls on the telephone, following partner to their car or on foot, hiding in the bushes, surveillancing their home or at work other trespassing and there's other things that are all on here but those are all stalking and all of those things fall under stalking and some people do that on a regular can you say restraining order please right hello yeah um yeah it's it's just a violation so um i think the message to drive here is that if you find yourself in a situation like that you need to seek out the resources national domestic violence hotline like you said the coalition um also your local shelters so um one thing that um i had the opportunity a few years ago was to give a vision board workshop to women who were currently at a shelter in chicago who were all domestic violence survivors and when I tell you that the women that were there, it was all races, all ages. The youngest was probably like 20, 21, and the oldest was like a 60-something-year-old woman. Some of them had babies. Some of them did not. Some of them were well-educated. Some of them were not. Um, but they were seeking shelter. And so this place um, was providing them a home was providing them access to resources um, so that they could get job interviews, safe travel, you know, to the interviews. And was one of the things they provided them um, was to help them with their healing process. Um, And so workshops and having speakers come in and, you know, it was a very heavy thing for me, but it was, I was so grateful for that opportunity to allow women to say, Beyond what's going on for you right now, you still have a future. You still have an opportunity. Um, And let's focus on that, right? You're alive in this moment right now. You're safe. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on the life that you want for your children. And so we had an opportunity to map that all out, you know, and for them to now start that process of planning life post-abuse. Because that's very important, um, is the healing process. A lot of people don't get healing from that. And so it still can impact them. And if they don't deal with it, and if they have children, again, this is where you get into that pathology. And so, you know, understanding that if you are somebody who's coming out of a situation and you have survived it and you've moved on, but you know you still have some trauma associated with that too, there are counseling centers and resources available to you 
to help you. You went through a traumatic event. PTSD is not just for military right. veterans. It is for anyone that has been through something traumatic and surviving abuse is that. And so healing is important and understanding the resources that are available to you, not only while you're, you are in a situation, but once you have come out of a situation. And while you seek healing for yourself, also seek healing for your family members, meaning the healing mm-hmm. of your children, the healing of your sister or your brother, your mother, everyone is involved. The whole family is involved in this matter. And if they knew what was going on or they know what was going on afterwards, a lot of times you have to go to counseling or seek therapy as a family, um, as well as an individual. But children are the most important so that they don't go and repeat the cycles and, and that they know and understand that this is not what love is. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, um, you never know, right? Because I have a family member who grew up in that situation and he saw his dad abusing his mom. But for him, it became, I vow to never do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because something in him knew it was wrong. Um, he saw the pain that his mother was going through and his mother was very clear with him that it was wrong. And so because he saw that, he made a commitment to never, you know, be in a situation like that. And he's been married for almost 30 years now. And, you know, he talks about that, that while he grew up in that situation, he made the choice um, to say, I'm not going to repeat that. So it can go either or. But like you said, it's it's critical on whether the child that grows up in that home becomes an abuser themselves or abuses someone or if they are able to be free from that, all of that is dependent upon the conversation that happens around it while they're a child, the, the, the counseling that is available to them. As an adult, he shared that like when he had the opportunities to talk about that with church people or counselors, he wasn't afraid to talk about it. Therefore, he was able to like work through it. Um, and his mother talked to him about it, you know, letting it be known this was wrong, what your father is, was doing. This is why I divorced him. This is why we are living on our own now, you know. Um, and, and, but you never know which way a child is going to go. So all the, you more, you, you know, all the more reason to make um, counseling available to them and have conversations um, around it. So... Because what's interesting is that with me, I, you know, I can use me as an example is as a kid, I knew that it was wrong because I, I was scared. Like I would go hide in the bathroom and get and lock the door and be in the shower and close up the curtains and be in the in the tub. Um, and then eventually I just was like fed up with it. And I wrote my mom a note and I was like, either he leaves or I leave. Like you need to make a choice because I personally cannot live in this situation. I was about seven to somewhere between seven and 11. That's a lot for a kid to draw up the courage to write their parent a note to say, somebody's got to go. It's either me or your abuser. Mm -hmm. And my mom told me, she was like, that letter saved my life. It saved your life. But even though I was smart enough as a kid to know that it was wrong, I still something in me still made me feel like as a teenager that it was okay or that it was normal in a right sense. And that it, it was normalized normal, right. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah so you have to really 
um, make sure that those conversations are had with the kids and, and that they are talking to someone and seeking professional help because they could still go either way. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about breast cancer. Before we go into breast cancer, I do want to give that hotline out for domestic violence. Yes. It is 1-800-799-7233. Again, that number is one 800 799-7233 and that is the domestic violence hotline number awesome let's talk about our boobies let's save the boobies <laughs> save the boobies <laughs> I too have a personal experience with this um, not that, uh, when I was actually in my twenties, this was really weird for me when I was in my, I think I had just turned 21 or I had just, I just turned 21 cause I was in, I was in Houston at the time and, uh, my doctor found a lump in my breast and I was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. So they had to do the testing. It was benign. So there wasn't anything there. I was fine. And grateful for that, but I had to have the lump removed. Mm -hmm. And that was the scariest thing I had ever gone to. Fast forward years later, my mom, when I was living in Maryland, was diagnosed with the first stages of breast cancer. And when you hear that, just the word breast cancer, you think death sentence. Yeah. That's not actually true. It's not a death sentence because there are things that can be done and actions that can be taken to overcome those. So, um, my mom did survive and she is a survivor of breast cancer. So amen. And thank you, Jesus, for that. Yes. Gail is still here kicking. Yeah. Is she ever? <laughs> She's like, I ain't going nowhere. Y'all tried it. <laughs> you tried it, counselor. Right. <laughs> she ain't playing. Mm -mm. <laughs> So, um, she's doing well and, and, and it's a scary thing to go through. Definitely. Yeah. I, um, was watching, I watched Married to Medicine and one of the doctor wives on there, she's actually a wife to a doctor as well as a doctor. This is why Married to Medicine is actually my favorite like wives show because they're actually wives. Um, but that's a <laughs> whole nother rant. Shade, and, no shade. Mm -hmm. But she was sharing about cancer running in her family. She lost her mother to breast cancer. Her father has been diagnosed with prostate cancer. She had a lump um, earlier years that she had to be removed. And, you know, just based on her family history and um, the fact that she's already had a scare it's more than likely that she will have breast cancer, you know, and she is take making the decision very similar to the controversial decision that Angelina Jolie made, which is to have her breast removed. Um, because she was like, she grew up seeing sickness and death in her family due to cancer. And she has small kids and she already knows she's at risk. And so she's just like, get rid of them. You know, she's, like she said, she's like, I've breastfed three babies, you know, um, mm -hmm. and I want to be there for for them, you know. And so I think that's part of it, too. Understanding your family history, yeah. uh, going in regularly for the testing. I know I am willing to admit it. I am not always good about 
weekly checking and checking for stuff, you know, um, on my breasts. But, you know, the one reminder that I try to do it around is like around my cycle. Like my doctor always told me, like, if you just need like a monthly reminder, whenever you have your cycle, like use that as like your time to check. But because I don't regularly self-exam, it's also the reason why I get physicals twice a year, too. You know, I go to the doctor very regularly. I have my, like, pap, and then I go see my primary care physician twice a year because I know things like heart disease and high blood pressure and diabetes run in my family. Um, Not so much cancer, but when I am in there, I always am getting a a self-breast exam. Um, not a self breast exam, a breast exam. <laughs> clearly, they're not like taking my hand and putting it. <laughs> Here you go, Toya. Right, go learn how to touch your breast. <laughs> I get a breast exam from my doctors um, because early detection is key, and just like your mom, there are so many other women who are still here today um, because they were able to get to it early. Um, but we all know that cancer is a ugly monster that sometimes even if you get to it early, it can still take you out. So absolutely, we have to be aware as women and making sure that we are doing our parts. It's, if you know it runs in your family, you know, you need to be doing your part to do your exams. And um, once you hit 40, you know, you should be getting your mammograms as well, too. And so... Um, I'm not in that yet, but um, do you want to share about the mammogram experience? Yeah, so the mammogram, I got mine done when I was in, um, I think it was, well, I got it done when I was 21. That was my first one. And then in my early to mid-30s, I got it done again a couple of times because I also have dense breasts. So Mm -hmm. it's uncomfortable. It's not painful. It's just very uncomfortable because they're smashing your breast um, into this machine. But it's very necessary for them to do. And one of the things that you can look out for if you're not getting um, a mammogram at this point is you, and this is from the Susan G. Komen website, is to look for a change or fill in your breast. Mm -hmm. And look for a change or fill in your nipple or nipple discharge. So those are things that you should look for. And then they show you how to do a breast um, exam. Uh, a self breast exam so you can when you're going home what you're feeling for right what you're doing like any type of lumpiness like I'm always going to feel lumps because my breasts are dense so the uh, every time that I go they're always like concerned and they might have to sometimes do like a sonogram so a sonogram is like the next step to looking at breasts that are dense so just because they're doing a sonogram when you don't get worried because it may be nothing but get it done because it could be something. Yes, it's important to get it done, have your boobies checked out, um, and do whatever you need to do to save them and save your life is what is most important. And um, with that being said, we want to wrap it up and we want to hear from you um, this week on what are your stories of survival of domestic violence um if we have some breast cancer survivors that are listening or your stories of loss and if you want to share with us um as you know on social it's hashtag beauty's banter 
You can find us on social media at Beauty's Banter on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So we want to hear from them, right, Renee? We want our people to talk to us. Yes, we do. Yes, we want to hear from you. Please let us know what's going on, how you are a survivor, or who is a survivor, or who you want to give a shout out to that is has that has survived. Yeah. Our email is beautiesandbanter at gmail.com. And so we want to hear from you if anything resonated with you. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye, y'all.